Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Nitty Gritty of Real Estate podcast number 35. Well, let's get to it. So everyone, we're here with Jill Paddock. She is the newest member of the team. And Jill, I want to welcome you to the team. Thanks. I think we've we've really hit a gold mine in having you join our team as a as a professional buyer's agent and also as a listing agent too. So Jill, this podcast is to help buyers out there understand the mindset that they have to have when they're coming into purchasing a property. Now we have experienced people buying property, but we also have first time home buyers, which right now seems to be picking up with the reduction in the fear for COVID. People are getting out, the masks are getting off, people are getting back to work, they're able to get lending. So I just wanna ask you, you know, really the, the what, what we've written down here is the five things home buyers need to know when they're making an offer. So the first thing I'd like to ask you about is when when you say to the buyers, look at, you know, you need to know your numbers. What does that actually mean to the buyer? So the first thing that I've realized is that a lot of times they'll talk to a lender. Um, they'll go in with their finances. The lender will tell them how much home they can afford. But a lot of times that's really not the payment that they're comfortable with. Okay. So one of the first things I think they need to do is go in, see what they can afford, but then see what that payment's gonna look like every month and see if it's something that they are comfortable with that can fit in their budget and their lifestyle and still allow them to do the other things they wanna do. So Jill, when somebody says, know your numbers to a buyer, what really does that mean? What numbers are we talking about? So we're talking about not only their home payment, which is your mortgage, your principal, your interest, um, your home insurance and taxes. But there's a lot of things that can easily be kind of pushed to the wayside. Um, things like homeowners association fees, um, if there's a pool at the property. And then you're going to have your regular bills. You're gonna have water, electric, um, gas, cable. And if you are you know, increasing the size of your home, those can increase as well. So you wanna get a fact, an idea as to what all those factors will be. Okay, so with the uh, principal interest taxes and insurance, we call that the pity payment, you know, the pity <laughs> payment, right? Yes. That's an old acronym we use. But there's also the ancillary costs, like you said. I mean, if you have a pool here in Arizona, especially in Tucson, we have evaporation of the pool, so you have to make up water. So water down here is similar to uh, natural gas up in the north because it's expensive to heat a house when it's cold outside. It's expensive to cool a house down here too, right? But water is something that we cherish down here. We do a lot of water uh, reclamation down here, but still you need to take water from the community if you're on, a, if you're on like city water or something like that, and those bills will be higher and what a lot of people don't realize, I'm sure you, you share it with them, is that as your water consumption goes higher, the cost per cubic foot of water used goes up. So if you get above X amount of gallons, okay, mm -hmm. then the next set of gallons is at a higher rate. And then you get above that tier and it's even at a higher rate. So you as uh, obviously as a buyer's agent mm -hmm. representing the buyer's best interest, you want to share that with them, right? Absolutely. Um, they want to take a look. I mean, the pool is one thing, but also, you know, what is the landscaping like? Is it going to use mm -hmm. a lot of water? Um, is it going to be a high cost to upkeep? There are things obviously that we can do to keep that down, but that is something, if you've got this beautiful green yard, 
you're going to need to be able to account for that in your in your water payment. Okay. And so, you know, we talk on those numbers about the um, what we call a pre-approval. Mm-hmm. Kind of talk to us about the difference between a pre-approval and a pre-qualification. Okay. So the pre-qualification is really going to come after your initial conversation with the lender. They'll take, um, you know, some basic information from you, a little bit of financial, um, you know, as far as statements goes, but it's not an in-depth look. Okay. Based on that very basic information, they'll come up with what they say you can afford. And then as the loan process goes on, they'll dig a little deeper and and verify that. If you're trying to be um, a really strong buyer and be able to present your best offer, Mm -hmm. one of the greatest things you can do is go ahead and move forward with that and take it from a pre-qualification to that more in-depth look where they're actually saying you are pre-approved. So you... To the, to the seller then, they can look at it, you're gonna get the loan. There's less risk for them that something you know, would pop up in your uh, financial history that is gonna cause issue. So it's just a more solid offer for the seller and they can feel more confident in accepting your offer then. Okay, so you would recommend your buyers be pre-approved versus being pre-qualified, correct? Absolutely. We can certainly go start looking with pre-qualification, but while we're looking, you know, let's go ahead and, and move forward and work towards that pre-approval. Okay, so that kind of leads me into you know bracing for this fast-paced real estate market that we have right now. Now, um, we've heard all these kinds of horror stories mm-hmm. out there of people having to write 20, 30 offers before they get their you know their offer accepted. Would you share with us today, you know? In that dynamic, fast-paced market, what are the things that you are advising the buyers to do to try and get themselves in a great position? And some of the things you may want to warn your buyers about to not not throw the baby out with the bathwater. One of the first things, obviously, is that Mm -hmm. pre-approval. But then, you know, what a lot of people don't realize is the highest offer is not always the best offer. It's really the strongest offer. So we can do different things. Um, you know, I'm advising them to go ahead and once we're under contract, um, go ahead, get the appraisal ordered immediately because that's you know taking extra time right now. So showing that that's ordered immediately, again, shows the seller that you're very serious and you're committed. Um, it does put a little bit of risk for you in that if something, um, you know, comes out during the repairs or we can't negotiate repairs, you have paid for an appraisal. So it's a risk. It's something you need to be willing to accept if you decide to go that route. But it's just, again, another way to show the seller that you're very serious about the house. So, Jill, in reference to that appraisal, mm-hmm. can I ask you a question? Sure. How long are they taking? Uh, they're taking three, four weeks. Sometimes. Three to four weeks. Right. And what's a normal inspection time? Normally, we have 10 days. So if the buyer would order the inspection... Go through his inspection or order the appraisal, go through his inspection period of time and discover that he doesn't want to buy the house. The appraisal hasn't been completed, so he could cancel that order, not really lose any money, right? Correct. Okay. So it's probably a good idea to do that. And the risk is still going to be there, no doubt about it, but it may not be as risky as it would appear based upon the timelines currently. Absolutely. Um, that is one that as long as we have good communication with the lender, if something you know just doesn't work out, we let them know immediately, they can cancel the appraisal, and then there is no money yeah. that's being put at risk. So during the due diligence period of time, um, I've heard some crazy things about inspections. Would you speak to that a little bit? 
Oh, so inspections. Um, you know, a lot of people are thinking they need to completely waive inspections. Mm -hmm. That is not something I would ever advise. Um, because you walking through the house, you can't see, you know, uh, things that are behind furniture. You can't, you're not there testing the air conditioning output. There's all sorts of things that, you know, you can look at the house, it can look great, but you really need a professional to come in. You need somebody to look at the roof. You need somebody to check for termites. Um, now, you just because you're doing inspections doesn't mean that there aren't things we can do. Um, we can tell the seller that, for instance, we'll waive any single item under a set amount, for instance, $2,000. That, again, shows the seller that you're committed to the house. You're not going to be looking for you know, nitpicky little things, um, but you do expect the house to be in good condition. So could you phrase that as it's a deductible? <laughs> there you, you go. Know, we've got a $2,000 deductible. We won't ask for anything over two or under $2,000, but if it's over $2,000, like, you know, we have an HVAC problem in that. See, I think, Jill, I think that's a, a, a really good thing that you're doing for your clients is that you're saying, look, it, I don't want you to be at risk, but let's allow the seller to feel more comfortable that we're not going to nitpick them, right? Absolutely, okay. yes. Interesting. Now, what about closing times? Where, where, where are we on closing times? Um, so for the most part, we're still looking at uh, the 30 to 45 days, mm -hmm. as long as, again, that appraisal is ordered quickly um, and that you cooperate well with the lender, communicate well, and keep everything moving in that regard. Um, in the case of some sellers, they may need to stay in their house a little bit longer. And that's something that we can look at, again, as a way to strengthen your offer um, and keeping the seller's needs in mind. So like a rent back, is that what a you're rent. saying? Yes, okay. a rent back. So we can negotiate something. Um, and again, it's a way, maybe it's not something that matters to you, but it's a big deal to them. Um, and it can be something simple where, you know, you can close on the house and they can stay in it for another two weeks. There's other um, paperwork and conditions involved in that, but that's something that can be worked out as a way, again, to strengthen your offer and appeal more to the seller. To the seller. A little story on that. I had a seller um, where we got 14 offers on their house in the first weekend, and we ended up negotiating 15000 over the asking price, mm -hmm. but the seller was able to rent the house back for eight months while her new home was being built. And the buyer was okay with that, and he was happy to be able to be the winning bid on that. The interesting thing is, is his bid wasn't as high as some of these other people, but they wanted to get in right away. So as you said, it's the best offer, not necessarily the best price. Right. And one of the things that, as a good agent, I feel is important for me to do is to communicate with that seller's agent, find out what is important to the seller and bring it back to my client and see you know, what we can do to accommodate that. Yeah. So that's that leads us into leaning on a real estate professional like yourself. It does. Yeah. Yes. So so when when you're buying a house, you know, it's so crazy in that. And I, I know first time homebuyers, especially because I've been doing this for 40 years. First time homebuyers are really scared. So how would you advise the first time homebuyer to lean on you to, you know, to use your expertise and your experiences? So, you know, they come to me with a question you know, most often they're, they're looking for, what do we do? Um, it's not my place to make a decision, but it's my place to let them know the different choices they have, the pros and the cons to each. And then they look at it as far as what best fits into their life. What are they comfortable with? Um, and, you know, what, what's going to be 
in the end the best for them. Hey everyone, we want to interrupt this episode to let you know that we are a Keller Williams Southern Arizona franchise. Also, we are licensed realtors practicing equal housing. Now let's get you back to the podcast. So I would assume there's probably like a buyer's interview where you would interview the buyer and find out what their needs and wants are? Yes, absolutely. Um, I need to find out, you know, why are they choosing to buy now? Um, what is important in that house? And then also, especially with first-time home buyers, what parts are they nervous about or what have they heard? Because sometimes there may be um, you know, miscommunications or they've heard something that's not true or... You know, there's all sorts of things that can take place. So it's really important to really dig in and figure out where they are and what do they need from me because everybody needs something different. So they may have read something on the internet and not everything, I, you know, here, here's, here's a <laughs> newsflash, not everything on the internet is true, right? Absolutely, yeah. Okay. Um, all right, so that sounds great. Now, what about making a strong but a fair offer? Okay, so right now, every home is getting a about five offers on it. That's the average. Um, obviously, it can be more or less, and half of those homes are selling for over list price. So things move quickly. Emotions get heated. Oh, I can um, imagine. Decision, yeah, decisions are made fast. And sometimes, you know, people look back and maybe it wasn't the best decision. So that's where you need to listen to your real estate agent. And as they're telling you, you could do this, here's pros and cons, and Honestly, like sometimes telling them, hey, take a step back. I can see you're getting a little anxious about this. Let's breathe. Think about it for a minute. And encouraging that kind of hold so that before they make a big decision. Um, and then again, answering every question that they have about, you know, what does this mean? How could this go? And just making sure they're comfortable with whatever decision they're they're making. So would you be would you be comfortable enough with your buyer to say, you're making a bad decision here. I would. Okay. If I genuinely think they're making a bad decision, I'll tell them. Okay. Um, again, it's, you know, ultimately I work for them and I will do what they want, but I I could not in good conscience l- let them do something that I know could be a substantial risk to them. You know, there's a, there's a uh, purveyance of thought out there that real estate agents are just wanting you to sign the contract so they can get a commission check and, you know, go buy a new car, right? <laughs> but true. realistically, to last in this business a long time, you need to be honest. You need to look out for their best interests. You do. And you got to be strong enough to say, I think you're making a mistake. And it may cost you a commission, mm-hmm. but it'll, it'll make their life that much better. Right. In the end, you know, nobody wins if somebody ends up with, you know, a buyer's regret or buyer's remorse or walks into something that without at least warning um, that it was a bad idea. We want everybody to be happy in the end. We want to keep these continuing relationships going. Just because I've sold you one house doesn't mean that's the last I want to hear from you. I want you to be happy with, you know, the service that you've received. And I want you to know that you can trust me. In the future, if you need help with something on your house, it could just be a referral for a handyman. But yeah. I want you to know that if you reach out to me, you're going to get the honest answer. You know, my dad used to tell me, you know, every morning you have to look at that person in the mirror, mm-hmm. you know, and if you don't like what you see, you need to change that person. And I can't imagine selling somebody down the road for a commission check and then having to look at myself in the mirror. Right. So good for you, Jill. Hey, let's talk about being a, a flexible negotiator because 
Honestly, that's one of the reasons why people hire us and want us to work for them is so that we can negotiate the best possible deal under the circumstances of the market. Right. Absolutely. Um, and we've we've talked about these a little bit. There can be, you know, higher price, of course. Um, we can find out what's important to the seller and draft an offer with those needs in mind. Um, we can also minimize contingencies. We don't want to waive them, but we can certainly minimize them and minimize the risk to the seller to make them more comfortable with our offer. Again, it goes back to not always is the highest offer the best and most secure offer for the seller. Interesting. So has there ever been a time in your career here where you've thought one thing and then something else has happened? Yeah. I mean, there was recently an offer we put in and I felt it was a strong offer. Um, We did go $10,000 over the um, list price. We were willing to shorten inspection periods. I was able to get people in in time. Um, We you know, put together the strong offer. They were allowed to stay in their home longer, flexible closing date, all of that. We actually, in this case, were the highest offer. They came back though and wanted us to completely waive the appraisal contingency. And um, so I presented that to my buyer and she, I could immediately sense her hesitation. And I told her, I, I was like, you know, likely, I do think it would appraise for, you know, at least X number of dollars. However, I can't promise that. And if it doesn't, here's the risk to you. Right. Once I explained it to her, she goes, that's a terrible idea. And I was like, it's not something that I would personally do. And she's like, nope, pass on the house. So your honesty, you didn't get paid for that deal, but you protected your client, which is what we should do. Exactly. Okay, And I earned her, you know, continued trust that if I advise her something, or if I see a, a potential issue or a pitfall for her, she knows that I'll make her aware of it. Well, great. Hey, Jill, I am so glad to have you on our team. I win, win, win every time I get great agents to join the team. Thank you again very Thank much you. for the interview. Hey, and everybody, stay tuned for our next podcast. But until then, America, be safe. Hey, thank you for listening and watching the Nitty Gritty Podcast here with the Tom J. Krieger team. If you are thinking about buying a home, selling a home, or even investing in real estate, please reach out to us. We are local here in Tucson, Arizona, but we are also connected to over 4,000 agents across the US. So again, looking to buy, sell, or invest in your hometown, reach out to us and let us connect you.